This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics, and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Today we're going to cover Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. Once again, that's Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. Eric is actually the one who read this book. Uh, this was on his list for this year, but not on mine. I have an, I had another Walter Isaacson book on my list this year, uh, Steve Jobs, which I actually just finished. So we'll be doing that one here in the near future. But um, this one, this one was uh, was your project, Eric. Uh, first of all, where uh, who recommended this, and um, what made you want to read it? Uh, well, Walter Isaacson was actually a guest on the Tim Ferriss podcast, so he's talked about a number of his books uh, and a number of them were referenced in in that podcast episode. So his his book about Benjamin Franklin, which I have on my list for this year, uh, the Jobs one that uh, you mentioned, I have Einstein on my list for next year. He also wrote one about Kissinger. And this is just one that I was really interested in reading. I I love Isaacson. I've read uh, a couple of his other books, those being his Steve Jobs biography and also his book called The Innovators. So I, I like his style and this just kind of seemed like a match made in heaven for me. So basically because, what you're saying is that you're kind of bending the rules here a little bit by uh, going with a book by a Tim Ferriss show guest, but uh, not actually one that was specifically recommended. So breaking the rules is the first, bending, first uh, rule. Bending. Bending, bending, yeah. yeah. I'll give you a bend the, on this. Yeah. The first one that has not been been suggested, but uh, I'm sure it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. At some point. I'll make sure if I'm ever on the podcast, I recommend this one just so we can retroactively yeah, get so it on there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, yeah, you're going to have to do the same, right? So um, let's go ahead and uh, get to a little bit about Isaacson, and then uh, we'll talk about the book. So Isaacson himself, uh, one of the prolific biographers uh, of the who's currently active uh, tends to like to write on inventors and uh, you know the the movers and shakers people who are you know at the, engaged at that intersection of technology and um, and uh, sort of the Renaissance he, he wants to do the, the Renaissance men and uh, this is one of those you know this is the prototypical Renaissance man. Leonardo da Vinci, so uh, he, he went, went ahead and made sure that uh, he uh, wrote one on him. So uh, first and foremost, Eric, what makes this book different or worth more worthwhile than other biographies on Leonardo da Vinci? Or, you know, say, then the Da Vinci Code, right? You know, why, why not read, you know, a novel that uh, is complete nonsense uh, that, that involves da Vinci's name? Uh, two reasons. One, it's a beautiful book. I mean, it is, it is, is actually, I know that's a lame reason, but it is, it is a stunning book. It's got these, uh, it's not like your typical book pages. They're shiny and he, he puts the whole painting on one page and then he'll talk about it on the next page. Um, 
so that that's one thing. It's just a, a beautiful book, and and I would suggest actually buying this book as opposed to getting the digital version or uh, the Audible um, version of the of the book. Just just go ahead and, and buy this book. There's a, there's a, enough used books going on on Amazon of this of this book that uh, you can get a pretty good deal on it. So number one, it's beautiful. Number two, Isaacson dug deep into Da Vinci's notebooks. Which are not, I, I'm, I'm, you know, very novice here. But I, I've only read one other book about Da Vinci, but I don't recall that one going into as many details on the content of his notebooks. And so that that's something that I think really sets this book apart. And and Isaacson went to a lot of the places where the the notebooks actually reside and and, and had access to the notebooks. And uh, for for example, Bill Gates owns uh, one of the the section of, of da vinci's notebook so isaacson went to uh, gates's house and and uh, perused those so which on a side note that that'd be pretty cool to to own those and just kind of look through them so we get deep insight into there uh da vinci never published anything of of his writings or his findings his scientific findings and so to go through his notebooks is to see and witness things that he discovered that people didn't necessarily know he discovered because these were not published. And so there are a number of parts throughout this book where 100, 200, 300 years later, somebody makes an invention and they're credited with that invention. But if you look at Da Vinci's notebooks, he actually discovered it, but just never published it. So that's that's another reason it is uh, it is it is very interesting. But it's not just his notebooks that he covers. It, you also get his artwork and uh, his inventions in his life. It's, it's really a masterful book in that sense where you start at Da Vinci's beginning when he was born. So it's his history. It's also the history going on. So the historical context of, of the times that Da Vinci lives in combined with his notebooks, combined with his artwork. And so it's a really fascinating book in that sense. And, and, uh, and Isaacson just does a really, really great job of, of tying that all together. Uh, he, he also gives context to Da Vinci's notes and in notebooks in that there are 7,200 pages of Da Vinci's notes that we have. And what's cool is since Isaacson wrote about Steve Jobs, he compares that to the, the, amount of notes that he had from Steve Jobs and that Steve a Jobs was able to give him for the writing of, of uh, his biography. And he said there were more pages of notes from Da Vinci's notebooks than from all of Steve Jobs's emails and digital documents, which is, which is really astonishing. Uh, so he's pulling from all that to, to write this book. So I want to set I want to set up the book now, and something that uh, stuck out to me the most, and Da Vinci is is living in Florence, and he puts in a job application to Ludovico Sforza, <laughs> the ruler of Milan, and so he he bas he basically sends him his resume, and. The first 10 paragraphs, each paragraph lists something that Da Vinci is excellent at. And so, Jason, I've got I have a question for you. 
Of those first 10 paragraphs, where do you think da Vinci would rank painting as one of his, his skills? Um, painting, as far as da Vinci was concerned, that was one of his, um, that was, that was, he was a bit more of a dilettante there, as I recall. He was not, that was not one of his strong suits. Yeah. He didn't even list it in the top 10. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, the Mona Lisa. Yeah, that's his. Yeah, but I don't think it's very good. So I kind of agree with him. I got I, it. I got it. I got to take a little bit of a rant on this for a moment. I do not understand the obsession with the Mona Lisa. Not at all. Like there, there, like there's art that really speaks to me where it's like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Like the Mona Lisa. Yes, it's recognizable. But like, what's special about it? Seriously, I don't get it. So maybe maybe there's some art critic or something among our audience who could enlighten me on this, but I'm sorry, I don't get it. I mean, I was in Florence this last summer. I was there and I got to see, you know, and I was in Rome as well. I got to see a lot of great art. And there was a lot of stuff that I got to see that I would put miles ahead of the Mona Lisa. But anyway, I, I digress. This, I, I've never understood it. Yeah, and this book might help in, in that sense of... of it's it's towards the end where he covers the Mona Lisa. So he kind of builds up everything that Da Vinci's learned throughout his life. And that all culminates in this, this final painting. He, he even quotes somebody who says the science, the pictorial skill, the obsession with nature, the psychological insight are all there. And so perfectly balanced that at first we are hardly aware of them. The one thing that, you know, people always point out is the smile and, and almost say you get a glimpse into her, into what is she thinking? And, and the ability to do that in a painting is is pretty astonishing. And, and I yeah, don't ever wonder what other- she's thinking in that. And when I look at it, like th- that doesn't occur to me. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I'm just a. I guess I'm I'm just a soul crusher on this. Whatever. I, I'm 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 the killjoy. So what's, so what's great about this letter to the uh, ruler of Milan is that in the eleventh paragraph he goes, "Likewise, in painting, I can do everything possible." So the man who uh, who did the Mona Lisa, who painted uh, the Last Supper, likewise in painting, I can do everything possible, and this really ties into to kind of just the overall thesis, I guess, of this book is Da Vinci's interests, his experiments. They were so wide that uh, that he didn't even consider painting to be one of his his strong suits. And, and granted, he he was putting in this resume to it, it was a time of of uh, of battle, potential battle. And so he was, he was putting in things that, uh, that were more related to building bridges and, and fortifications and that sort of thing. So, but still to, to highlight painting is your, your 11th thing when you're, you're Da Vinci, it's, it's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, one quote at the beginning from, from, uh, from Kenneth Clark, he, he said, Da Vinci was the most relentlessly curious man in history. And it kind of made me think of the Dos Equis ads, uh, but Da Vinci <laughs> makes that guy look like a, like a joke. So yeah, Da Vinci was at the time he was alive, probably the most interesting man alive. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is true. And the thing is, I actually, I actually think there's something to the curiosity connection. If you want to be an interesting person, be curious, mm-hmm. right? Curiosity is what, uh, is what makes a person interesting. It's what also makes a person knowledgeable. When you, when you're curious, that's when you're able to learn. So mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, that's 
and the thing is, I'm not sure how a person actually be like, how does one make oneself curious or become curious? That I don't know. What well, I know is uh, that like curiosity actually, is critical. Yeah, but uh, Isaacson actually answers that question. And the way to 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 become curious is to be born out of wedlock. Well, that that kind of sucks for those of us who, uh, you know, weren't bastard children, I guess. I'm just kidding. But that's uh, the first first line of the book. Leonardo da Vinci had the good luck to be born out of wedlock. And he, he says that because uh, being out of wedlock, he, w- he did not have to he didn't go the direction that uh, would have been dictated for him by like he would have followed in his father's footsteps. So he would have gone to a particular school. And his life, his life pretty much would have been set out for him. But because he was born out of wedlock, he didn't go that route. And he was, he was curious. So it, yeah, I'm, I'm making light of the question you, you, you pose there, obviously, but, um, but it's a pretty funny first uh, quote of the the book. And yeah, it is interesting. And but but it does connect to you know the at that at that period. I mean, it, it wasn't a formalized caste system, but there was a very strong class system at least that uh you know basically you were going to go into the family business so uh you know whatever you were born into that's who you were so in that sense yeah he was fortunate in sort of a roundabout way or if we want to connect this to our last book uh he react he responded to his particular circumstances in such a way as to make it uh a, 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 a an aspect of good fortune such that he uh he was found ways to uh, to to render meaning even out of circumstances that lots of people were born out of wedlock but didn't become uh, Leonardo da Vinci. So you know, yeah, and and it, it, he Isaacson goes to some of the tragedy of that too. He he had really bad relations with his his uh, I guess step step brothers and and sisters, and um, his father at some point had was in a position where he could have legitimized. Da Vinci and he didn't do it. Uh, and, and there's very little mention in any of the notebooks about any of this. There, there's some kind of just outbursts or um, different ways that Isaacson thinks he, he was addressing it in the notebooks, but, but never just straight out. Like I, I hate my family. I want them to die or, or that kind of thing. And, and, and just interesting circumstances, you know, especially with, with his father, having the power to, to legitimize him, but, but not doing so. And you're kind of wondering why. So yeah, in, interesting life, but, but uh, probably we wouldn't know him as, as who he was had he uh, been born of, of more standard uh, circumstances, I guess. Uh, the being born out of wedlock set him on a path where he didn't have to go the traditional route, uh, but, but could can kind of experiment for himself. So that, that leads into my second quote. He he uh, he signed one of his paintings, Leonardo da Vinci, Discepolo de, de la Sperencia, which is disciple of of experience. <laughs> I thought it was a cool way to uh, to to sign off on on one of his. Uh, I don't know if it was artwork or, or something, but disciple of experience, and that's really how he lived his life. I mean, he was he was all about. Uh, uh, as we see later on in, in life, he he was he was doing dissections when, uh, that was not really, um, <laughs> it was frowned upon a bit. Yeah. Yeah. To say the least. And, um, and he, 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 he wanted to experience to, to learn it that way and, and not, not to necessarily learn it from a book. Although he was an avid reader as well. I, th- I think 
the experience was to solidify what he was learning in the books, not, not the other way around. Here's uh, a, a few other quotes that uh, I liked from the book. A picture of human figures ought to be done in such a way as that the viewer may easily recognize by means of their attitudes, the intentions of their minds. And this kind of goes into what we discussed very briefly in, in the, the episode about Homo Deus, where I, 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 I took offense when Harari was talking about that within a two page section that there's no soul. And then because there's no soul, he, he goes on in, the, in that book. And, and at the time we were discussing that, I, I was reading this book about Da Vinci and, and there's talk throughout this book about Da Vinci's uh, desire to capture the soul, um, the motions of the soul and, and tr try to do that in, in painting. And uh, it was just an interesting contrast as, as we were discussing Homo Deus, Homo Deus and that, that uh, there not being a soul with, with Da Vinci's desire to paint the soul through, through a painting. Uh, an, another one, uh, Da Vinci was constantly devising new methods for the di uh, visual display of information. So when he was trying to think through uh, gears or that sort of thing, he would actually draw out the gears and how they would work. Um, he, he drew the body in ways that had never been done. So when he was doing these dissections, he's, he's drawing the body uh, from like an aerial view, from a side view, just really innovative ways to, to display this information in, in ways that had not been, been done before. Uh, quote, page 403 of the hardback version of the book about uh, human in ingenuity. Though human ingenuity may make various inventions, this is Da Vinci speaking. It will never devise an invention more beautiful, more simple, more direct than does nature, because in her inventions, nothing is lacking and nothing is superfluous, superfluous. Hmm. That, that was cool. Another quote here about your uh, favorite painting, Jason. <laughs> but the painting is such an icon and so beloved in its varnished darkness that even the lightest amount of cleaning would spark huge controversy. French governments have fallen over less. <laughs> just kind of a witty uh, that's comment Isaacson by Isaacson. Right there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much Isaacson. That's how he rolls. Yeah. And, and obviously in, in reference to um, talk of, of uh, trying to clean out the, the Mona Lisa, it's gotten no, uh, noticeably darker over, over time, but uh, to do so may, may spark a revolution. Yeah. And again, you know, those French, they're known to fall. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, any, uh, any specific lessons that you felt could really be drawn out from the book? Well, what's, what's cool is, uh, is Isaacson actually covered the last part of the book is, is Isaacson taking conclusions from Da Vinci. Um, so there's actually a section called learning from Leonardo and, and that's pretty cool. Um, so some of the things we've talked about, like, uh, be, being relentlessly curious, um, observe Da Vinci was, would just kind of have this childlike sense of wonder and, and just sit and observe things, uh, observe animals, flowers, and, and just keep pursuing it until, 
until he was satisfied. And uh, so that, that's uh, that's one interesting takeaway. Another one, and this is kind of a, a, a theme that we see throughout Isaacson's books, is this idea that there is no lone person doing all this work. So with Steve Jobs, you know, it's not, Apple was not just Steve Jobs, but it was Steve Jobs working with other people and, and making that happen. And, and we see that in, in the Steve Jobs book. We see it in, in innovators. Um, it's not just the random person sitting in their garage coming up with these inventions, but it's really a collaborative effort. And, and even though da Vinci was, was such a unique person, uh, Isaacson goes into a lot of the detail about how da Vinci was working in studios a lot of the time. So there, there are a lot of art, other artists there. So they're bouncing ideas off each other. And yes, da Vinci was obviously, you know, set apart and, and, and all that, but we probably wouldn't have the da Vinci we had were it not for these certain people uh, in, in, in his, in his work. Um, one section he talks about the teamwork and, and, and so this, goes in directly to what the, this lone creator uh, myth, as Isaacson calls it. We tend to think of artists as lone creators, hold in a garret, waiting for inspiration to strike. But as evident in his notebooks and in the process that led to his drawings of Vitruvian man, much of Leonardo's thinking was collegial. Hmm. So that, that, was, that was probably the main thing that stuck out to me in this book. I mean, I, I always kind of thought of da Vinci as... Um, First, a teenage mutant ninja turtle, but then secondly, as uh, as a lone, a lone creator. Hmm. One uh, one very cool section of the book, and unfortunately, the unfortunately these paintings were lost to history. They had a contest; they set up a contest between Da Vinci and Michelangelo on battle paintings and so leonardo had one wall michelangelo had the other wall and they were painting at the same time and they hated each other like they they did not get along and so they're having to be in the same room kind of having a battle of painting and they're painting battle scenes so it was a really cool it's like uh, a me- that's like meta meta yeah <laughs> but uh yeah unfortunately those were lost to uh, history, but that that would have been pretty amazing. Who was declared the winner? To, I do not recall. Ah, we'll have to I put that in the show recall. notes. Yeah. So, what, so about, uh, what what about some of the inventions side of of Da Vinci? I mean, that that's something that you know obviously uh, comes into play some with him being uh, the not just a, a great artist, but also. Uh, a bit of a dabbler in lots of other things. Um, he, you know, isn't as well known in this area, but but he he had a number of really important inventions. Uh, where, where does that come in in the book? Throughout, and that's the cool thing is is as as he's going through Da Vinci's history and going through the notebooks, he he's talking about the different things he invented. And uh, so one example, uh, kind of tying in with his life, is is Da Vinci's traveling a lot between these cities and. He ends up spending the the final days in in France, um, but spent most of his years in in Italy. But he's traveling between cities, and then he's eventually traveling to France. And and his curiosity led him to 
to desire to know how how far he was traveling and not just kind of a general, you know, such and such uh, uh, miles or, or whatever, but uh, he wanted to know the exact. So he, he actually invented the odometer. He had a little, uh, he, he had something that connected to the wheel of, of uh, the wagon or whatever he was riding in. And it, it was, it was pretty exact to the distance that he, he, he traveled. And, and so that's an example of, of something that he, that he, that he discovered and he, um, he invented. And then there were just quantified self guy, I guess on that, huh? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, there are just a number of, uh, war, war things, um, in battle. I, I mean, like, uh, fortifications and, war instruments and none of those ever got created uh but he just had this explosive uh um imagination about about these about these potential weapons weapons and at the time france was um was closing in on italy so you know he 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 was proposing these things to like for instance the ruler of milan to to be able to fight fight off the french uh, and, and you look at these drawings, I mean, they're very elaborate and, and how it would work and, you know, everything's correct in terms of how the gears would work and the way he drew it. So it's a lot of inventions based on, on that. He was really interested in diverting rivers, especially during wartime. So if, if, if they needed to get, if, if his side of the, the army needed to get a certain place, diverting the river so that they can move, but also diverting the river so to, as to take away uh, water from the enemy or, or an advantage from, from the enemy. And so just these like massive, uh, thinking of how you would, how you would do that, how you would take a, a, a huge river and, and divert it, uh, damn it. All, all these, hey, watch all your, these different watch ways. Your tongue. This is a, this I know is a family, we, we, we have to do the explicit is, on this one. Yeah, This is a family show. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's one just amazing part of this book is seeing all these inventions and the drawings and and how he's thinking about them. And then the drawings are just perfect. You know, like they're the drawings in his notebook about these inventions are, are works of art them, uh, themselves. Hmm. One other really cool thing that I didn't know about Da Vinci and, and, and one of the reasons that he ended up going to Milan was he was teaching another person the lute. So uh, 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 a flute type thing. So on top of all these inventions and all that. A lute is a stringed instrument. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So he's, he's teaching, but he, he's teaching music as well. So on top of the painting and the, the, the inventions and all that here, he's teaching somebody a musical instrument as well. And they, uh, the descriptions of it are that Da Vinci was just a, a beautiful player of, of the lute. And, uh, so I, I'm thinking, man, I, I wish, I wish there was some sort of a, a recording, uh, method at that point. And he, he didn't write down the, the music in, in a, in a sense that, that someone could play it again, but man, it, how amazing it would be to, to hear some of, uh, Da Vinci's songs. I just thought that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of songs, I'm, I'm hearing some songs in the background there. Yeah. A couple kids, uh, singing, singing. So those are the main, my main takeaways from the book. Um, I can kind of close this out with, uh, with yeah, some final thoughts or with your final you have, thoughts. With, uh, I don't really have a whole lot of questions. I mean, I think you, you basically gave the nuts and bolts that we need to get out of this. So, um, 
what makes this book worthwhile and and uh, what how, how would you how, how should you uh, wrap this up? It's a worthwhile book because Isaacson goes into to Da Vinci's different interests and he ties them all together. So you may think of Da Vinci as as the painter, but he goes into all the different things that made him a good painter. So you look at the Mona Lisa and there's a whole nature scene behind and that nature scene is, is perfect in the rock formations and everything. It's, it's, it's actually how they would be. It's not uh, some, some of the paintings were kind of fantastical type of uh, fantasy uh, backgrounds, but, but his other paintings were, I mean, it, it, it was perfect in that sense of, of this is how it would actually be. But that came from just an obsessive observation of, how nature is, how rocks are, how trees are, how trees look, uh, and how water looks as it's flowing. And he drew waterfalls in some of his paintings. So it, uh, how water falls upon a rock and all that. And, and so you look at one of his paintings, but all the, all the knowledge that he gained throughout his life that went into these, these paintings, that that's truly the, the miraculous thing here. And so, Jason, you and I have talked a lot about this question of, do you pursue a niche? I mean, do you just go down one rabbit hole and learn everything you possibly can about that? Or do you have, do you such things or (laughs) do you take a broad, I mean, do you just, are you relentlessly curious about everything and tie those different pieces together? A, A lot of the, a lot of the literature out there, not not literature, but but maybe more business books is to pursue the niche, right? But as we saw in Homo Deus, if in the age of AI, if you pursue that niche, uh, in in just that one niche, and then AI can take over that, you're you're completely out of a job. But if you are are relentlessly curious, like Da Vinci, on on different topics, and you relate those topics together you set yourself apart because you're looking at a problem. You're looking at a technology problem in a different light. Same as what we'll get in when, when, when you discuss the, the Steve Jobs book. Jobs pursued technology from a kind of a different mindset. And that, that really set Apple apart. Uh, same thing with Da Vinci here. He's pursuing technology. He's pursuing art. He's pursuing nature. He's pursuing all these things from a very holistic point of view. And, and doing it because he he's interested and curious, not because he has some sort of, uh, you know, in, agenda in, or ag- agenda to to make a lot of money on that. He he was he he found ways to make money with what he was obsessed on, mm-hmm. obsessed with, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it, a fascinating book. Um, I I I like Isaacson. I'm going to be reading more of his books. Um, I've read others, and I. I've always been interested in, or I guess since after college, I've really been interested in, in Da Vinci and, um, and to your earlier question, Jason, you know, why not read uh, Da Vinci code or something? He, he, <laughs> he, he talks about that and, and he talks about where, um, Dan Brown would, would kind of go off on, on one tangent of, of a particular motion that, that, uh, someone made in a painting and, and, uh, Isaacson would say, you know, that's not sinister or he's not trying to do such and such, but this is just how he painted or he, he you know, he'd kind of dispel a lot of the, the, the things that the, I guess a lot made, of the hokum. Uh, 
yeah, that made Da Vinci Code so uh, entrancing to uh, to a lot of people. So ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was a good counter. Uh, if, if you've read Da Vinci Code, um, it's it's a good counter uh, to that book. Yeah, it's good to as get well. A little education in addition to uh, you know whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> so yeah, that that does it for uh, for this episode and. You can find us on uh, Patreon. We are on the value for value model. So if you're getting value out of this this podcast, we'd love if you return the the value you're getting. And um, we have different monthly options for as low as uh, a buck or two per month, um, and and on up from from there. But we'd uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. We we don't advertise. We don't um, try to sell you things. But we uh, we yeah. just ask for for your support. Yeah. <laughs> once I have a couple, once once I get a couple of the books I'm I'm, I'm finishing myself out, I, I will advertise some of those books. Dang it. Yes, but we will advertise related things and related things that we do. We will not advertise uh, Squarespace or meals that come to your door or uh, underwear. Yeah, you just did advertise Squarespace, though. Well, unless books of Titans underwear, we could probably do that. Yeah, but you, you just advertise Squarespace. You mentioned it. Space of squares. That's there, now they won't that know. That really isn't. That really isn't. They won't know. Maybe we should <laughs> we should redo that. All right. That'll do it for us today. As always, you can subscribe through any podcast manager of choice. Once again, that's Eric. I'm Jason. This has been the Books of Titans podcast. Keep listening. Keep improving, keep reading, not necessarily in that order. And And keep uh, staying relentlessly curious. There we go. Thanks for listening. I made this.